everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And do you have any stories you want to start off with? I don't, besides the fact that I sound like absolute shit today. I have a really bad head cold. So apologies in advance if my voice sounds like shit. That's okay. That was me last time. Yeah. Maybe or you got if- it from me. I don't know, because it's been, like, two weeks since I've seen you. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. How long have you had symptoms? Probably since Sunday, maybe. Okay. Saturday or Sunday. Well, mine literally came in and went out in four days, and it was like nothing ever happened. So hopefully yours is the same. I hope so, because my shower is this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully it'll be out of your system quickly. Yeah, I already had to cancel going to my class today because I'm so congested and literally have to blow my nose every 10 minutes, which also hopefully won't happen during this recording. <laughs> I was blowing my nose all day at work today and I was like, there's no way I can go to the studio like this. First of all, I didn't want to get anyone sick. And second mm-hmm. of all, I was like, I can't like stop and blow my nose every 10 minutes. Yeah, no, that's the worst. Yeah. Also in advance, <laughs> I'm going to try to try to stay awake. I realized I made Theraflu tea because that always really helps me get over my sicknesses quickly. And I realized after that I made the nighttime one. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see, see what happens. Theraflu. <laughs> That's all right. You'll be yeah. good. All right. Anything on your end? Yeah. So I want to tell you this funny story. Carson and I went to Connecticut over the this past weekend just to like go. We got this hotel that was dog friendly. So we brought the dog. It was really fun. I've never been to Connecticut. Highly recommend. It was very fun though. So we go and we're like, this is going to be a hiking-ish trip. We have to find some like trails because we brought the dog. He's like, actually, there's one that is right along the beach And you walk on the beach, and when you get to the end, it goes off into, like, a peninsula type of thing, and Mm -hmm. there's a lighthouse there. It's, like, a touristy lighthouse thing. So we both find this trail. It's on all trails, if you guys have ever used that app. And we were like, okay, this is cool. We'll do it. So we're walking along the beach, and we get closer, like, towards where the lighthouse is on this peninsula type of thing. We're on the beach, but all the houses are up to the left of us. And every single, like, stairway up to these houses from the beach say private property. Like, you can't go up there. You can't walk up there. Like, it's not public beach property to get to the road. Mm -hmm. So we're walking along the beach and all of the – we're climbing over rocks. Like, it's starting to get really rough. And I'm like, maybe we should just turn back. I don't know if we should keep walking. He's like, no, no, it's fine. We'll get to the lighthouse and then we'll we'll go to the street and walk the street back home. Because it was probably a mile and a half, two miles. So we're like, okay, we get to the end and all of a sudden I'm like, Carson, this there's no public access. We can't get up to this lighthouse. And he's like, we, we're not turning around because it was hell to get there. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm like, there's no way. He, I was like, there's a private property sign right there. Like, we can't go up. Somebody's house is there. And these houses are fucking mansion. They're million-dollar houses. And he's like, no, we're doing it. I'm like, okay. So we get up on – we're climbing up these rocks, and we get to this backyard. And there's cameras everywhere. There's no fucking way. Like, I have so much anxiety at this point. He's like, we can't turn around now. We just have to go. So we're walking and I'm like, somebody's going to walk out of their house and see us trolling through their backyard with our dog. So we get to the end of this driveway and there's a fucking gate. You can't get over the gate. How are we going to get to the road? So I don't know what he did. He opened the gate somehow and we fucking sprinted to the road. But I just thought it was hysterical the entire time. I have so much anxiety. I'm like pooping my pants and he's just like, (gasps) totally fine. (laughs) And it's like these mansions. Like, he's like, nobody lives here. I'm like, Carson, this is terrifying. What was he like? This is their summer homes or whatever? He's like, they're (laughs) uninhabited. Just keep walking. (laughs) We come out from the beach to these mansions looking like fucking crazy people. And we're trolling through people's backyards. It was very funny. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. I'm glad you guys didn't get in trouble, though. 
I know. And then we hear a helicopter in the background. I'm like, oh my God, he's you need to fucking relax. Someone sent their helicopter. <laughs> I was like, there's someone coming for us. They saw us in their backyard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but the town was cute and stuff that you guys stayed in. Yeah, it was very cute. Awesome. Glad yeah. you had fun. Do you want to talk about coffee? Sure, let's get into it. You go into yours first because yours is much more exciting than mine is. <laughs> so I stopped <laughs> at Trader Joe's on the way home today to grab a couple things. And I was like, you know what? I've never tried their cold brew coffee. They have it in little jugs on the shelf. It's not even refrigerated. But it's a cold brew concentrate is what I got. It was, I'll read you the, on the bottle. It says organic French roast cold brew coffee concentrate. So basically... It's 100% Arabica coffee. You just do, I think it was, I think it's one to three. So one portion coffee concentrate to three portions water slash milk or whatever you want. So it's similar to the rocket fuel from Sweet Leaf. Yes, exactly. Okay. So this one I did with vanilla almond milk and with hazelnut creamer. Mm-hmm. And it is very, very good. I would not compare it to the Rocket Fuel because that one was so much better. But yeah. this one is very good. I would just say, like, be very careful about your proportions because it's very bitter. And I think I put too much of the concentrate in. Okay. It was like one to three. But it's very bitter. I really like it once you get used to that bitterness after a few sips. But it, I will say it is pretty bitter. Okay. I'd probably rate this one like a seven. It's pretty good. So it's not awful, but more on the bitter side. Yeah, just a little bit better. All right. So like I said, mine's not as exciting. I am doing a Starbucks coffee today because that's what I grabbed on the way home. And I did not feel like stopping anywhere else since I feel like shit. Yeah. Hey, it works. (laughs) So I got, and this is when you know I'm not feeling well, I got a hot coffee. Oh, no. I didn't even get iced. I got a hot vanilla latte from Starbucks, and I got it with almond milk and powdered cinnamon. Yum. It's really good, but it's a typical Starbucks coffee. Not that I'm knocking on Starbucks, but I prefer local coffee shops and roasters as opposed to big brand right you know their vanilla latte though is usually my go-to if I'm not feeling like taking a risk (laughs) (laughs) or trying something new because I've always loved their vanilla latte I usually get it iced I feel like it's their vanilla isn't too sweet which is what I like about it Mm -hmm. and not overly artificial tasting when you get it made at their store. The only thing that I have to say, and this is probably just this situation, the barista did not go overboard with the cinnamon. She definitely went underboard. Mm. (laughs) Maybe I should have specified, but usually they do a nice job with the cinnamon and I could barely taste the cinnamon this time around. Yeah, it was definitely more vanilla when usually... When I ask for powdered cinnamon, I taste the cinnamon heavier than the vanilla. That's so funny. I've I've gone, obviously, to Starbucks for a very long time, and I've never had the vanilla latte. Really? No. (laughs) I have, like, my things, and I don't stray from them. Yeah, I usually do, too. But like I said, I usually get it iced. But then once in a while, I'll try something new and then be like, fuck, why did I switch it up like that? Because I don't like it. Yeah. But... The vanilla latte is definitely one of my go-tos from Starbucks. It has your heart. Yeah, for a Starbucks coffee. What would you rate it? Today's coffee, I'd rate like a 7.58 just because the barista fucked it up a bit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But typically, I would rate that coffee with the appropriate amount of cinnamon. I would rate it like an 8, 8.5. Yum. Oh my god. Iced as well. To- Maybe because it's hot, that's also kind of skewing my rowing you off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try it. Yeah, definitely do. I recommend ice though. Yum. So speaking of this upcoming weekend, it's Bryn's bridal shower this weekend. Are you so excited? 
I'm so excited. I just hope I'm not congested for it. But Hopefully, I think I'll be okay because I feel like I'm already – I feel like today was the start of getting over the hump of it. You know what I mean? I feel like if it's been since Sunday, if it was anything like what I had, I swear to God it came out of nowhere and it left the same way and it was just gone. Okay, good. I'm excited. I hope you feel better, but I'm so pumped. Me too. I can't wait for all my girls to meet each other. I know. It's going to be <laughs> such a good time. We have so many surprises. And oh, yay. Yeah, maybe we'll post some pictures like we did for mine. Yeah, for sure. All right. Are we ready to get into it? Let's do it. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today's case that we're getting into is that of Christina Kettlewell. Had you ever, have you ever heard of this case before now? Her last name sounds really familiar, but I don't know if I have. I don't, I don't, maybe if I hear it, you know, like get into it. Yeah. But I don't think I have. Yeah. I feel like before the research was done for this, I had heard maybe this case in passing because it sounded familiar, but I've definitely never heard all of the details of it. Yeah. So, as always, we're going to do a little bit of the background first, and apologies in advance because there isn't much background that was able to be found. So, her name is Christina Cecilia Moken, and she was later known as Christina Kettlewell. She was born August 7th, 1925 in Toronto Municipality, Ontario, Canada. Her parents are Casimir... Moken and Mary Moken. They were both Polish immigrants, and Christina's family was also Roman Catholic. Her parents were very involved in Roman Catholicism. Her sister's name was Helen, and in an article there was mention of a brother as well, but they never really said his name or much more than that. More of the focus was kind of on her sister because she's like slightly involved in part of the case got it christina lived in mimico ontario and she worked at a bank in ontario this is a quote from buzzfeed she was quote described as a capable employee whatever the fuck that means honestly what does that mean (laughs) capable okay so was that just because this was describing a woman in the 1940s? Yeah. Oh, she's era? capable. Yeah, like she's capable of doing her job. That's weird. I, I don't know. That just kind of irked me a little bit. And there was really nothing more than that about what she did at the bank or how she was capable as an employee. There was That was kind of it. Weird. She was 22 years old at the time of this story. And she fell in love with a man named John Ray Kettlewell, a.k.a. Jack. We're going to be referring to him as John for most of the story, but just wanted to put it out there that some people knew him as Jack as well. He was 26 years old and also born in Ontario, Canada. He was a World War II veteran and part of the dental division. They had known each other for three years. It kind of wasn't made clear whether this meant they dated for three years or they knew each other three years prior to dating Mm -hmm. it it just was like okay they had known each other for three years so so regardless there's like some kind of history there right and i think a lot of the unknown pieces in this case come down to when it happened and how long ago that was, and maybe records of what happened, because a lot of the articles that were read through repeated the same information, and there'd be little bits deferring here and there, or little bits of new information here and there, but not to, like, an extreme extent. Right. So, I we gathered everything we could for this case, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay, so moving forward, uh, May 12th, 1947, Christina and John got married. Christina's parents were worried about the two getting married and didn't support their marriage, actually. 
and neither did Christina's sister, Helen. So I feel like that's always, like, not a great sign. Yeah. Your family is like, this is not good. We don't want this to happen. The biggest red flag to me. Mm-hmm. One article actually stated that Christina had disappeared for a week, was found by Helen, then Helen left after an argument, then the couple got married. The timing was of this wasn't really laid out well, so it's unclear, like, how long you know, the timing was between these events, but that's the gist of it. You know, they got into an argument and then later the couple got married. Due to this, Christina and John eloped, so they chose to get married without the blessing of their parents, which I feel like is a big deal in Catholicism, especially if you're very much into the church. Right, and one article stated that one of the reasons the parents didn't want them to get married is because John wasn't Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. But that was only mentioned in one article. So I don't know how factual that is. Right. Or how big of a reason that was. Right. And if that's the only reason, okay, I get it. That's dumb. Another article said that Christina's sister said she noticed some strange things the days leading up to the wedding. I feel like sisters are super in tune to this fucking pay attention to what your sister says she said christina seemed quote-unquote drugged including on her wedding day she also said that when christina seemed to come out of this drugged state that she just accepted it meaning that she just accepted the fact that they were now married something clearly went wrong Uh uh-huh this was somewhat confusing as some of the articles said that there was only one person in attendance at their wedding who was Ronald Berry. If this is the case, how did Helen get that info about Christina's behavior on their wedding day? Did someone else relay that to her? Did she see her sister at some point? Or was she actually in attendance? Like, did she see her afterwards? There's so many questions. Right, because I feel like someone has to know these answers, but these weren't questions that were answered in the media right like oh if you weren't at your sister's wedding how do you know she was behaving that way at her wedding who told you right if ronald was the only person there then how did you get this information right maybe investigators know those answers but as far as we know those answers were not released to the public so as mentioned ronald was the only person that was there and he was a good friend of Christina and John so that's why he was in attendance some info about him he was 28 years old he was an immigrant from Italy and he was a professional ballroom dancer as mentioned earlier again he is also one of John's best friends the three were described by Christina's sister as quote spending inordinate amounts of time together so I don't know. I feel like Helen's really cued into this. She knows Uh what's going on. She's like, something's off with this. Yeah. She also said that she thought that Ronald could also be in love with Christina, which would be a really fucking weird triangle. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from filmdaily.co. Quote, after the wedding, Christina, her new husband, John, and Ronald all spent a few days in an apartment together. Like, What? Those are red flags. Like, I understand if there's a group of people that are all really close to each other. I totally get that. And if they're inseparable, even if one of them is a couple. But right after you're married, why are you all three living in an apartment together? Right. Like, who does that? That's – I feel like something is totally wrong. Yeah, she just walked down the aisle with being described as seemingly drugged or off. And now they're all three in an apartment together. And he was like, just so happened to be the only other person that was there. Yeah, it's just very strange. It's weird. This was an apartment that was rented in Toronto on Tyndall Avenue. It was unspecified who rented the apartment or if it was already their apartment. But just so you know, that's where it was. So moving on to the honeymoon, this was May 17th, 1947. The couple went on what was to be their honeymoon. 
The odd thing about this was Ronald was with them. What the fuck? Yeah. This gives me, like, did you watch White Lotus? I didn't finish it. It gives me White Lotus vibes where the mom shows up on their honeymoon. (laughs) Oh, I have to finish that. Honestly, the ending was highly disappointing. So if you don't finish it, don't feel too bad. But it's about these this couple going on vacation and they're like a shit couple kind of. And the mom shows up of the son and the, the wife is like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I think this is so strange, though, that maybe the apartment thing could be talked away somehow, you know, but him being on their honeymoon. It almost seems like he's like in charge of them in a weird way. It's really strange. Yeah. So for this honeymoon, they travel to a cabin. Some articles describe it as a cottage, which I think is a really cute word. (laughs) (laughs) I've always loved that word. Noted. She (laughs) loves cottage. She hates moist. Yes. (laughs) They traveled to this cabin or cottage of Ronald's. This cabin was only able to be reached by boat, hence it was very remote. And my thought about this was, is this good for a honeymoon that this was so remote or super sketchy? Honestly, like, if Ronald wasn't there, great. Go to a cottage that's remote. But he's there, that's fucking weird. Yeah, and even if it is his cabin, he doesn't need to be there. Right. For your honeymoon. If he's such a good... What? Just give him the keys. Yeah, if he's such a good friend of yours, he can gladly lend you his cabin for your honeymoon. Right. So, allegedly, once at this cabin, Christina began to act strange. She had moments of being super dazed, and she also had crying fits. She also questioned whether or not John was in love with her, and allegedly, again, these were convos that she had with Ronald multiple times. So this is from coming from him that she was questioning, oh, is John actually in love with me or not? Hmm. I feel like I can't trust Ronnie. Yeah, I don't know. So May 20th, 1947... Ronald left to sunbathe, and when he got back to the cabin, it was on fire. John and Christina were thought to still be inside, so Ronald went in, found John, and brought him outside. And John was described as being, quote-unquote, in a stupor, and he had a wound on his head that was bleeding really badly. Ronald also looked for Christina, but could not find her in the cabin. What the fuck? The men left to call for help and to bring John to a hospital to treat his injuries. And in order to do this, they had to take a boat back to the mainland. Because remember, they were in a really remote area. John had burns, a head injury, and there were drugs found in his system. One article reported that it was codeine in his system. What the fuck happened on this cottage island thing? I know. It's so it's so strange, too, because there's so many deferring statements. And like I said, I don't know if it's because this is from 1947 and things got lost in translation or stories changed or mm-hmm. it was reported wrong. Like, who knows? Right. But... Another article that I had read said that he was sunbathing, but he didn't just happen to go back and see the cabin on fire. Another article said he was sunbathing, and then he saw smoke coming from the cabin, so he ran back to the cabin and then found it on fire. What the And f- then, well, we'll get into more later on because there's other, there's other things to be said. So within one hour, the cabin had completely burned down. Which is also strange because what the fuck happened? Right. And like, I don't know. Is that quick for a house to burn down? I don't know. I would think so. Right? To completely burn down? I would think so. Right? That's It almost, to me, seems like there was multiple little fires lit that made one big fire. I don't know. Right. 
or a lot of accelerant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have any knowledge on house fires or stuff like that, if you're a firefighter and listen, message us and let us know. Yeah. Is that and answer our questions? Is that normal? Do houses burn down in an hour? I guess it depends on a lot of things, but give yeah. us the gist. Yeah. So hours later, Christina was found dead only 150 feet from the cabin. A local owner of a boathouse named Neville Sweet had found her. And this is a quote from medium.com. He, quote, stood watching the burnt and smoldered remains of a remote cottage. He noticed how the rock chimney was the only structure that remained unaffected by the blaze. She was in nine inches of water when she was found. And this was along the side of a river in Severn Falls, Ontario. When this man, Neville Sweet, began walking the side of the river because he had seen, like, this cottage burning, he saw her face down and she was in a nightgown when he found her. Oh my god, what the fuck happened? So, on to the investigation. The autopsy found that Christina had died of drowning. She also had codeine in her stomach and had no signs of burns, bruises, or violence on her body. How does that happen? Was the fire a distraction? It, I know, and it doesn't even make sense because, well, first of all, they both had codeine in their system, right? Right. But her husband, who was still in the house, had burns on his body and signs of trauma to his head and stuff. And there was nothing found on her. So clearly she wasn't in the house. When the fire happened. When, yeah. Which is so weird. Yeah. This is a filmdaily.co quote again. Quote, a firefighter claimed it was strange Christina had been found where she was because while he had been attempting to put the fire out, he had gone to the river to get water, but hadn't seen her. <sighs> like what? So she wasn't there that entire time. Was she placed there after? That's just so strange. Yeah. The like fact that she was only found 150 feet from the house too. After hours of this fire burning, when people were looking for her, or when Ronald had allegedly been looking for her, mm -hmm. how, how wouldn't she have been seen? Right. Like, this doesn't make any sense. In a separate article, the firefighter slash first responder was named as Major Lawrence Scardafield. So, just wanted to throw that in there. John and Ronald were obviously questioned by the police about what the fuck happened that day. And 20 other people were also questioned. How did they find 20 people to be? I don't, especially since it was a remote location. Yeah. Like what the heck? I don't know. And some of the, it was like a range. It was like in the twenties because some of the articles said 20, some said 22, some said 25, but yeah. Where did they find all these people? Yeah. Unless it was first responders and stuff that they had to talk to as well. Yeah, maybe. John was interrogated for three hours after being released from the hospital. And according to John, he had no memory of the day after 11 a.m. Which I feel like maybe is believable if he did have the codeine in his system and he was dazed and. Yeah. Or, or convenient. Right. Either one. Ronald was questioned for 13 hours, and he provided a 3,000-word statement. Wow. Jesus Christ. That's insane. Wow. It was later brought to light that Ronald made a contradictory statement earlier in the investigation to the police. So this is a Reddit quote, so take it as you will, but this is a quote from Reddit. Just, just want to say before you make this quote, the source from Reddit had as their sources some of the sources we used so yeah. i think it is credible okay quote he said when he went back to the cottage he found a disoriented jack with blood on his face he also mentioned that christina was being untalkative with tears in her eyes 
Ronald then claimed he carried Jack outside, and 15 minutes later, smoke began to come out of the kitchen windows. Ronald said that when he went inside the cottage, he could not find Christina or a weapon that may have been used in the attack on Jack. So. Mm. I feel like that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. With what is then reported in most of the articles regarding him going in there and she was completely missing from the get-go. Right. It just doesn't... I feel like none of this is coming together correctly. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Early newspaper reports also suggest that Christina may have been in the house when Ronald arrived there. This clearly differed from the other accounts of the incident in which he went in the house only to find John and never saw Christina. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of things being said, differing things. June 19th, 1947, which was about a month after this event, there was an inquest on whether Christina's death was foul play or not. This took place at a courthouse and acquired a following from this event. The courtroom was packed and there was tons of people waiting outside. The interest was so big that there was women asking for autographs from John and Ronald, which is fucking disgusting. Yeah, that's beyond disgusting. Like, like, oh my god, can you sign something for me? Your wife was just found dead. Yeah, like, what world is that okay? Yeah. And I mean, even if they weren't involved in her death, this is an inquest to see whether foul play was involved. Right, by them, potentially. Uh-huh. So a decision could not be made during this inquest. The jury stated, and this is a BuzzFeed quote, quote, due to the fact that the postmortem examination disclosed codeine in the stomach of the deceased and due to the suspicious fact that she was found drowned, this jury is unable to decide on evidence given whether or not foul play means were employed in her death. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But the things they stated almost make it seem like foul play was involved. Right. And that's why it's just, I don't know, it's so confusing. Like, why couldn't the jury decide on that? Due to this, the case was not pursued any further. Foul play could not be proven or confirmed. John and Ronald were found not guilty regarding foul play. To be clear, neither were ever charged for the murder of Christina. This inquest was strictly regarding her death being caused by foul play. So there was lack of incriminating evidence against them. So they didn't, they weren't guilty of anything. So that's definitely why I got thrown out because there was no physical evidence. Right. Or incriminating evidence. Right. I think that the fact that in the jury's statement, though, it says due to the suspicious fact she was found drowned, that right there is saying it's fucking suspicious. Right. It just doesn't make sense with how people found her and when they found her regarding the fire. I feel like the fire was definitely something that was placed there after the fact. Or, I'm sorry, like, to distract from what happened. Or cover up a crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The investigation and inquest revealed some details about the relationship of Christina, John, and Ronald, if anyone was wondering. <laughs> some people believed that Christina was upset about an quote-unquote unnatural relationship between John and Ronald. This terminology was that of the 1940s, not ours. We would never call a relationship between two men unnatural. Right. To put it more simply and appropriately, Christina was potentially upset that the men were actually lovers. At one point, John admitted to being intimate with Ronald, but later recanted this statement, and he claimed that he was coerced into saying that. Hmm. Another strange fact was that Christina's wedding ring was never recovered. So, like, maybe she was pissed off and took took it off somewhere? Or... 
I'll mention something in a little bit. Okay. I don't know. It's just very strange because, like, they just got married Mm -hmm. literally eight days before this happened. Right. Why would her wedding ring be missing and never recovered? Like, even if she took it off to, let's say, go swimming or took it off to take a shower or do the dishes or whatnot, they -hmm. would have found it. Right. So there are theories swirling around regarding this case, and two specific theories were brought up at the inquest. Theory one was insurance fraud. Ronald's cabin had been recently insured for 5000 Canadian dollars. Not only that, but John was listed as the beneficiary. Oh. Yeah. John had also taken out life insurance policies on him and Christina. And the policies were $5,000 each in Canadian dollars. There was also a, quote, double indemnity clause in their policies, meaning if either of their deaths happened to be accidental, the amount would be doubled. Why is that a clause? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, oh, if my death was an accident. You get double. Yeah. That's (laughs) fucked up. So this is a quote from FilmDaily.co. Quote, $10,000 in Canadian money back then would be roughly equal to $200,000 U.S. dollars today. Wow. And that's per person. Wow. If the money was doubled. So this article that I just quoted that from was written in August 2021. So this is a pretty updated calculation. Damn. To further back up this theory and the relationship between the men and the potential financial gain for the both of them, it was discovered that John had given his war gratuity to Ronald. He received this when he was discharged from the military. Also, John removed all of his family from his will. Wow. And there was no... There was no reason for him doing this. Like, there was never a given reason for why he just decided to take all his family off his will. I feel like they were in love. Yeah, potentially. Wow. At some point, Ronald had pursued careers in insurance and construction... And this is what I was going to say before, the worth of Christina's missing wedding ring was also really highly debated. Hmm. So if this was an insurance fraud thing and they were just trying to make money, they could have potentially taken that ring then and pawned it and gotten money. Or there were some rumors swirling around that Ronald had actually bought the ring. Right. It's a whole thing. Interesting. And this ring was missing. And another thing was Ronald was the beneficiary listed on both life insurance policies for John and Christina. Christina definitely did not know about that. Yeah. I think the whole thing is just so strange. Yeah, I mean... I don't even know what to think about it. I feel like there's so much going on. Yeah, and let's say they were in love and Christina was like John's beard. Mm -hmm. And maybe she found out what was... I understand that back then, and I mean, sadly, even now, sometimes with certain... with some people gay marriage or being in a relationship is frowned upon or horrible to come forward with Mm -hmm. and back then it was probably even more so like they they were there was no way that these men could be in a relationship together right type of thing but if she found out about it why did there have to be this whole intricate insurance fraud plan where she had to die if that was the case for them to be together maybe that still wouldn't help them be together 
I don't know. Maybe she like found out about it and threatened to like out them. And that's, and then she got killed. Yeah, but then that whole plan would have been in place beforehand because what was the need of them being on each other's policies if they weren't planning on killing her? I don't know. It's just so strange. It is really weird. So here's another theory for everyone to think about because this is the second theory that was discussed during the inquest. Theory two was that Christina potentially tried to kill her husband and then committed suicide. This theory is based around the idea that Christina was suffering from some kind of mental illness. Allegedly, Christina had written multiple suicide notes. Hmm. These were written leading up to her death, and they started about five weeks before the wedding. Five weeks before the wedding, it was mentioned in some articles that she wasn't even engaged yet. If this is the case, they really moved quickly with the elopement. No judgment, just throwing that fact in there. Yeah. The first letter to sum it up, the quote-unquote suicide letter that she wrote, was about not wanting John to end up with another woman that dying would be better than having to deal with that and that she was going to poison herself. Hmm. This letter was written on Easter Sunday before their engagement. What? Which also doesn't make sense because if you're like, oh my God, I don't want him to end up with another woman. And then like a week or two later, you're engaged. Where are these thoughts even coming from? Right. And like, what's the plan here? Yeah, and then in that case, she wasn't really suspecting anything between John and Ronald because she specifically mentioned woman. Right. What the hell? Yeah. In another letter, she talked about the same kind of thing regarding John not being with someone other than her and then wrote of killing herself and John. In a portion of this note, she wrote, quote, When you love someone, you really love him, and I know there is no one for me but Jack, and if I cannot have him, I do not intend anyone else to. I waited, as you might say, in the hope that Jack would ask me to marry him, but I now realize I am just a passing fancy. And that was a quote from BuzzFeed. This letter was written at the end of April. Wow. So the last letter was written the day before the fire. This one was addressed to Mrs. Thomas. She owned a house in Mimico that Christina and Jack had previously stayed in. So like she was like their landlord. Mm -hmm. She allegedly asked Ronald to mail this letter for her. And her is Christina. A handwriting expert said that all of these notes were signed by Christina herself. And a lot of the letters were addressed to Ronald. Allegedly, he had never told John about these letters until the inquest. What the fuck? I'm just so confused. First of all, before you move forward, the handwriting expert said all of the notes were signed by Christina. Right. So were they typed and then signed at the bottom? Were they written in another handwriting and then signed by her at the bottom? Right. And as we've mentioned in other episodes, shout out Unraveled with Billy Jensen and Alexis Linkletter. Everyone check out season three. Handwriting forensics and stuff isn't always accurate. Yeah. So who knows if that really was even her handwriting or if someone forced her to sign those letters right like what the hell and then if she was writing these letters and sending them to ronald why did ronald never tell her husband that his wife was potentially thinking of committing suicide right and like they were best friends allegedly yeah and committing suicide over thoughts of John potentially leaving her for another woman or whatever. Right. Like, what the fuck? 
Somehow Ronald was able to save all of these letters from the fire and they were presented in court. How fucking convenient, Ronald. Yeah, because when you're looking to save your friends from a house that's burning down within an hour, you're thinking, oh, I need to go grab the letters. What made him think of that in that specific moment? Like, you, that's a fight or flight thing. That was planned. And I... Who knows if that's what actually happened? The letters probably weren't weren't even in the house. Right. So nothing further came from this case besides unanswered questions and speculation, unfortunately. Three years after Christina's death, John got remarried and had a family. They briefly stayed in the home that Christina had lived in, and he never discussed the incident with his new family. Ugh. His children ended up finding out about it, though, decades later while in a library, which how fucking crazy. Would you not lose your mind? That had to have been so traumatic for them. I don't even understand how they went through that. That had to have been the craziest thing to find out. Yeah. I mean, even like your dad wasn't charged with murder or anything, but he had this wife who literally died in this way eight days after he married her. Right. Like, that's something that's you would want to know. John actually died in 1998. Ronald moved to New York City in 1956. At some point, he gifted his dog to John's son, which I don't know. That's kind of strange. And he was never heard from again. Christina was buried in Mount Hope Catholic Cemetery in Ontario, Canada. So, some other info about this case. Christina has been referred to as the quote-unquote eight-day bride. And I feel like just hearing that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've heard of just that term before. That's what this case is about. The story was featured on BuzzFeed Unsolved, the mysterious death of an eight-day bride. So, check it out if you wanted to to look into that a little bit further. But... This whole case is just crazy. There's not a lot of answers. There's so many questions. I don't know. I think it's strange, too, how it was like Ronald was never heard from again. And he gifted, like, he gifted his dog to John's son. Was that, did he commit suicide? Right. Like, how does nobody know what happened to Ronald? And, like, you know how it's a common thing for people to give things away before you die yeah so why did he choose to give his dog to john's son I don't or know. was that just like a coincidence where he was like oh i need to get rid of my dog oh that he would be a perfect owner for him i don't know or maybe like ronald and john were truly in love and he was like this is the last piece of john that i have so my dog has to go to him the what whole- do you think happened what are you leaning towards I honestly don't know. It doesn't make any sense in any direction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like any of the theories are plausible. Yeah. Like the mental health thing could be true. I don't know. Because for her to have been found in nine inches of water too. Right. Like That has to inches. either be what? I said right. Like nine inches. Yeah, that either means she, if she was, if she did commit suicide, she drugged herself with that codeine and then drowned. I don't, I don't think she could hold herself under nine inches of water. Right. And I don't know, the autopsy said that codeine was in her system, but the cause of death was drowning. So, yeah. So if I'm saying if she did commit suicide, Maybe she took a bunch of codeine first and then kind of like went and passed out in the water and drowned. Yeah. But I don't see her holding herself under nine inches of water to try to drown herself. Right. In that case, she would go into the the river that was nearby. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I feel like any way you slice it. Yeah. And then... I mean, either that was the case or someone drowned her. Like, someone else held her underwater. Right. 
And for her to be like 150 feet from the house and no one had seen her, including a firefighter that was getting water from the river. And then hours later, she was found there. So either she washed ashore or she wasn't there the whole time. I just wish there was more answers. Mm-hmm. Crazy. This is definitely a strange one with like lots of unanswered questions. Yeah, I feel like the time period has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah. But. I do feel like either way, though, the men or Ron- Ronald in specific knew more. <clears throat> yeah. Because John, I mean, they didn't say how much codeine was in his system, but if he was heavily drugged or because of his head, head injury, he really could have had a misconception or like lost amounts of time right or he was just using that as an excuse right like it could have all been a ploy uh-huh yeah ronald could have hit him in the head right it could have been in like an elaborate plan all craziness uh-huh. really need to know what happened though i know it's been unsolved for this long i don't know insane all right, anything else before we wrap it up? Oh, I don't think so. Do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I think that's about it. We can get into our spiel. Yeah, so you can go to our Facebook, Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post our weekly resources and photos from the cases. You can also find us on Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. That's where we post all of the coffee that we've reviewed, our recommendations, pictures, that kind of stuff. Also, if you have a case suggestion or a listener story for our podcast, you can contact us, DM us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram, or send us an email at Crime Colts and Coffee at gmail.com. We love those. We love them. Yeah. If you can also be so kind to leave us a review or give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, it really helps our podcast to be seen among all these other incredible podcasts and you will get a free sticker and if you don't have the capability to review because you don't listen on apple podcasts on any other listening platform you can like you can follow you can subscribe and that'll help you to know when our new episodes come out every friday yep so do that and i think that's it all right guys we'll see you next week See you next week. Hopefully next time I'm not drugged on Theraflu. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook